Hi everyone, welcome back to Bradley Radio. My guest for this episode is Nicola Henderson. Now, I met Nicola on a musical that we did last year called Sideshow. And in this episode, Nicola shares her experience of the performing arts industry. And it's a real uh, honest insight into the various highs and lows that you can go through. Um, But when I was listening back to this episode and now recording this introduction... I realise that this episode is about more than that. It's a really heartwarming story of someone that didn't quite feel like they fit in, um, but they found their strength and their courage and ultimately herself in the end. And so this is like, this was a beautiful episode and it was only upon listening back to it that I was surprised at how relevant it can be to a lot more people that uh, perhaps have no interest in the performing arts, but it's still a beautiful story. So um, I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. Start whenever there's no. Have you pressed it? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've never even listened to a podcast before. I've told you that. Not any podcast. No. There's a podcast you need to listen to called My Dad Wrote a Porno. Oh yeah, you've told you have told me about have this I told one. You about yeah, this? yeah. You desperately. Yeah. You have to watch. Okay. Watch. Listen to that. You have to. <laughs> okay. It's so it's so your sense of humour. Well, when I move, I'll have loads of time on the train to do oh, this kind of thing. You, you, you will love it. Okay. Yep, 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 yep. You'll love it. All right. So uh, let's talk about you because I know you love talking about yourself. Shut. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm just going to give you a question and just sit back and you can talk about yourself. Okay. No, I'm joking. Not really. It's <laughs> not how this works. Oh, okay. Um, we met on Sideshow. Yeah. The show last year. Yeah. I remember when you auditioned, I was like, what the hell? Where did she come from? She shit. Yeah. What a, what a horrible voice. <laughs> no, I remember you blew everyone away. And uh, I remember people were saying to me, um, oh, yeah. You know, they were talking about how good you were before you'd even auditioned. And I was like, oh, okay. And then Aww. you started auditioning and I was like, holy shit, she can sit. <laughs> oh, so oh I wanna... shucks. Oh, shucks. <laughs> <laughs> People can't see this, but you're blushing. <laughs> so I want to talk a bit about your career that you had. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. You're going to have to talk about it. Okay. Because uh, it's my show. But I want to talk about first, like when you're a kid, because... When did you first realise that you could sing? Were you aware uh, that you had a good voice when you were a child? I don't think it's... I don't think it's that you're aware that you have a like, good voice. You just sing. I don't... Did your parents say, like, oh, you've got a nice voice? No, never. You just sang. <laughs> Not to this day. <laughs> never to this day. No, I used to get my parents to listen to me. I used to get um, my um, cousins and my sister or one of my cousins and my sister to do shows with me. So we'd put on shows um, for my shows? parents. What do you mean shows? Like, like full on shows? No, like as it was usually that we'd play a CD and take it in turns to sing along to it. Or like, or it'd be like Grease 2 would uh, be on TV and uh, we'd kind of spin it to the bit that we wanted, obviously on the VHS. Yeah. And, um, and I'd probably sing like Cool Rider or something. Um, along to the with the with the tv in the background <laughs> and, how, and how old were you when you did this 
Oh, that was anything from... 24. (laughs) (laughs) No, that was probably from about the age of about eight up, really. Really? Yeah. So is that kind of... What what age did you start singing? Yeah, I mean, I think I was really young because I always remember I used to sing along to... um, to like my little pony did you <laughs> when i was really little and there was a song that one of the girls sang in it was it my little i can't remember maybe it was care bears actually this one but the, i remember one of the characters in it was called megan and i thought she was amazing um and she sang a song called always another rainbow do you want to just do a little rendition now <laughs> how does it go always another rainbow <laughs> That's beautiful. I can't put that in so it's copyright. So I'm (laughs) going to have to mute that. Do you know what? I'm going to bloody YouTube that song. I remember I used to sing it really loudly though. And I'd go to friends' houses and we'd be playing with like ponies or Care Bears. um, Because I was such a girly girl who loved football randomly. And I remember I just used to sing that song at the top of my voice all the time. To the point where even my my friend's parents would be like, all right. Did you have like quite a big voice I guess so yeah Yeah. I guess I always had a loud singing voice yeah yeah so just you just naturally you just 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 sang yeah I guess it was just like expression wasn't it and when did it when did it change to become something that like did you have lessons then as a child did you think oh I really like doing this maybe I should do a bit more of it um that started in secondary school but I guess like the change came when um, I moved from up north to down south. So where are you from? Grimsby. Grimsby. Why do you say it like that? Because everybody makes fun of me for being from Grimsby. I don't make it's fun of I've never, I've never made fun of you for okay. being from Grimsby. All right. Okay, so you moved down yeah. and that's when it sort of changed? Yeah, because um, we had drama and music lessons as part of primary school in the south. And we didn't in Grimsby. It was just something you did as a hobby. And in the music lessons, we were doing, there was like a music show coming up. Um, I think I was in year, either end of year five or year six. And me and another girl got asked to sit, be the soloists. How did um, they know you could sing? I guess, I don't know. I, I guess in the, in the music lessons, when we'd all been singing along to songs, they'd kind of... Hear you guys and think, yeah. whoa, pick them out. <laughs> We could hold a tune, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. And I, I guess I was just clearly somebody that en- like enjoyed it and loved to sing. But I was always very shy otherwise. Do you think singing was like your way of expressing yourself at school? Yeah, did, definitely. Did, I think, did people I think know you is. for being a singer? Yeah, I think that's... That was your identity. Yeah, and I think it, like in a way, you know, kids are so fickle and like surface level. And I think whenever people found out that I could sing... It made me more popular. People liked me more if once yeah. they realised that I could sing. Well, any talent at school is kind of... It makes you cooler. Yeah, it does, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, and I wasn't cool otherwise. <laughs> I was a skinny little run. I was really shy. <laughs> I wasn't cool. I didn't From have, the north. <laughs> yeah, I was the same. I didn't have a thing until karate came along. Mm. But before that, there's, there's nothing that people associate. I'm not saying that you need to have something, but it does help, doesn't it? Yeah. When you're a kid. Yeah, it's, and it was like my... I guess it's a bit like my security blanket in a way. Because mm. moving down as well in, at secondary school stage. Primary. So I was 10. Right. It's a really, really impressionable age. Mm. Um, and I think that's that's one of the first times that I really realised that I didn't fit in. Like I never quite felt that I fit in anywhere. Mm. And that was the first time that it was really magnified. 
And I think um, the singing helped me overcome that for a small time, like a small period mm. every now and again. Mm. So at school then you did this, what did you do? You were picked out to be soloists, mm. your, your, your friend. Yeah. And then did you do drama at school? Did you do any acting or anything? Yeah. So I, so then when I moved to secondary school, I always, um, I always did the school shows and we had to do music and drama and dance was one of the PE, I guess, subjects that we yeah. did for a certain period of time. Mm-hmm. Not that I was very good at that. <laughs> you preferred singing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Singing and acting more so. Um, and even acting, I guess I didn't even hugely get into acting until much later because I wasn't confident enough. Mm. Um, I knew that I, I knew I could sing. It was, And it's not ever that I was like, yeah, I'm really good. It was just that I was always comfortable with it. Yeah. I just I knew that it was something that I could do. Yeah. And it wasn't about, as I say, it wasn't about was I good or like what notes can you hit or how beautiful does it sound? It was just that I could do that. So did you ever like work on it or did you just do it? I started having singing lessons when I went to secondary school in the first year of secondary school. So what I'd have been 11. Mm. So just once a week, like half an hour each week and with one of my friends. Uh, two so, of you yeah two of us a lesson at the same time yeah, yeah. so it's two of us and like for half an hour so i guess you got 15 minutes each so you did the school shows you were known for having mm. a good voice and singing did you ever think that i want this to be my job well no because i think i was i've never ever been a look at me pick me person i've never been able to not until much much later did i ever really try and push myself or push other people to take more notice of the fact that I wanted to sing mm. I just didn't have the the guts to and I didn't really get any kind of support or I mean I don't I don't think the teachers really believed in me they knew I could sing but I was never given a lead role really or, yeah in yeah. the shows you were never given a lead I got to sing solo sometimes but it was usually if there was like a singing show with num- with a whole group of people singing and then I'd get lots of attention because kids at school would, would I guess identify me as being the singer yeah the one that they liked the most I don't know yeah um but from the teachers no I remember the first show I ever auditioned for at school they were doing Aladdin it's the f- first production they were doing when I arrived is like, so I was year seven you had to go around and you had like a acting audition you had a dance audition you had a singing audition and I remember in the singing audition the teacher at the time he drew on my slip so they had to draw like write something on the slip of paper that everybody had mm. that you didn't know what it meant but and he put on mine like a um a kind of a wavy line and an up and down arrow and i had no idea what it meant but anyway i didn't get in the show whatsoever i didn't even get in the chorus really <laughs> yeah. and i remember that um my sister then told me she this thing this music teacher taught her okay um like the whole class she was two or three years above me three years above me at school i think okay i think she'd said oh my sister auditioned for you or some of her friends said and he said oh which one was that oh yeah oh yeah i remember her and he went oh yeah the, the one that had a, a shake like really like you know shaky voice or wavy voice or whatever as in i had vibrato yeah i've always had like natural vibrato not crazy yeah but i just have a bit of vibrato yeah. and he took the piss out of it in front of her whole class and i was 11 and she came and told me and like, you know, for her, she was like older sister poking fun at me. It was just what kids do. But like, yeah, that's I guess a, from, that's even, horrible. Yeah, from that point, I guess Were I had you, even less confidence about it. 
because that was always my like I can do that bit yeah and to have that kind of well, picked on and pulled apart by a teacher that. that age is quite like yeah it's quite quite sad <laughs> it is but you hear about that so often teachers are so important yeah and I don't think upbringing. I just didn't I never really had a teacher that nurtured your talent. yeah yeah I, I didn't and my parents have like they're not pushy at all and to the point where I think by trying so hard not to be pushy with with my voice with performing and acting they weren't necessarily nurturing of it they were supportive totally supportive yeah wanted me to do whatever i wanted to do but they didn't necessarily nurture it yeah Um, so your teachers didn't no or did the opposite in fact yeah so nobody did really it's amazing that because i i relate that to my dad and him being told that he was going to be he'd never be any good as an artist Mm. and that stopped him from doing it it's amazing that you still did it yeah but I think that I also, like, I did it and I had it as a career for a while, um, as you know, but it wasn't a hugely successful career. I didn't get to do what I wanted to do. And I think that was because it took too long for me to get to the point where I it, I was being nurtured and supported and being told that I was good enough. Mm. That happened quite late on in my life. And I think because, at the t- because it was musical theatre that I'd wanted to go into, you have to have such discipline from such an early age for all of the training and I didn't I didn't until much later because I just thought it wasn't worth it because I wasn't good enough I never ever believed I was good enough to do it so I just never pushed myself Mm. and I do think that had I been nurtured much younger and kind of taught about discipline and what I needed to do to succeed in such competitive industry Mm then of course, you know, you can't ever say I'd have made it, but um, yeah. I'd have had much more opportunity, of course. When you left school, did you, what did you do then? Did you, did you think, I want to do this as a career? Did you have more belief um, in yourself? Well, when, so when I selected my options after, uh, when, like going into... Um, A-levels? GCSE options. GCSE, yeah. I chose to do music and drama rather than other subjects that I enjoyed and knew that I was I was pretty good at. So I always loved history, but I had to drop it because I couldn't do that and music and drama. Interesting. So um, you still chose the creative yeah. opposed the um, academic. Yeah. Um, and I always loved art, but um, and my art teacher had really wanted me to keep really? going with art. But I, again, I couldn't do that and do music and drama. So I couldn't. So I, I chose to do music and drama, which as you say, you know, they're really not academic at all. Um, and having, you know, an older sister and a younger brother who were both all about IT and maths and that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, in, yeah, I was definitely the, the uh, odd one out. Um, but my parents were totally supportive. They never tried to dissuade me from doing it. I think that's really important that you did choose to do that, though, because mm. um, I feel that school, especially for me, it felt very academic. Mm. I def- definitely wasn't the creative, self-expressive, my school life at all. So I, I'm glad that, I'm glad you did choose that. Yeah, I mean, I think I also, I guess what was quite difficult for me, and maybe it's one of the reasons why my confidence has always not been amazing, is that um, because my brother and sister were so academic, I also always felt like the stupid one. Really? So what was the point of me picking academic when I had a brother and sister who were much better at the academic than I was? Do you feel like there was a bit of competition then between? I don't think there was competition. 
just comparisons. It's just that they were better. They were better at maths and IT. Even though now, like funnily enough, when I do like aptitude tests, um, f- when I'm testing out various psychometric stuff with, in my other line of work, like psychometrics and aptitude testing as part of, yeah. Already you sound more intelligent than I do. <laughs> <laughs> just the fact that you use the word psychometric. <laughs> but when I'm testing out like all of those different things from different suppliers, um, I always do really well in numerical and abstract reasoning they're always like more so than um, than like verbal or written and I did one just the other day that said that I should it suggested that I work in data and tech um, and that I was really comfortable with um, dealing with like large data sets and like you know, and all the- did you tell your brother <laughs> no <laughs> no but I've always scored really highly in those tests and um like I remember that uh, a few years ago doing one of these tests again my boss at the time was somebody who was he would be like a self-proclaimed nerd a numbers person and I did better than him in the numerical and abstract and he was furious (laughs) (laughs) doesn't that just go to show that no matter what at school you know people feeling dumb or people feeling stupid um even you choosing the more self-expressive subjects Mm. because you didn't feel like you had that intelligence that's not paving the way for the rest of your life like that's not saying for the rest of your life you're going to be unintelligent no I mean I don't but the thing is, it's not that I think I was unintelligent it's just that I happened to have a brother and sister who were really good at maths and I guess when you think of intelligence one of the ways that you would measure it one of the nerdiest subjects you could talk about would be maths mm. um and they were and probably still are much better at it than me because they are exceptionally good at it which doesn't mean that I'm bad at it but that's you know as a child I guess that's how you how you take it I just didn't have any confidence that I was any good at it ever Mm. so you picked those subjects yes and then for a levels I picked performing arts right one of my four a levels was performing arts so what at one point did you get you finished your a levels did Mm. you then go to a college did you think this Um, is what I want to do I then went to Birmingham University and did drama and theatre arts, but I did also audition for two other to, for two theatre schools before I went to university, and didn't get him. Okay, <laughs> I think to be fair, I think that my dance severely let me down. <laughs> <laughs> it's not easy getting into a drama school. It's not. No, it's no, not. it's not. But then you know, when you don't, people do get in so and people that were my age were getting in so again it's just another thing that just says to you like you're not good enough and it's such a sensitive subject isn't it performing Mm. like such a sensitive outlet Mm. because and where anything creative is so it is knockback after knockback after knockback yeah in in, god isn't it this is getting depressing i'm selling it (laughs) can you hear like my voice going it's just knockback after knockback have we got any vodka (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but and then what happened it's a tough wow. <laughs> didn't get in <laughs> it, i just felt really low it's <laughs> gonna get really dark so let's bring it back you did get into university yeah <laughs> a good one better than my brother and sister <laughs> just been out there sibling rivalry yeah yeah got the best a levels out of the three of us just gonna put it out really yeah that must have made you feel good yeah but i did suck it i did do performing arts and 
media studies and English literature, which, you know, that's a serious one. And general studies <laughs> that everybody had today. Okay. Anyway. So what's it like moving to Birmingham? What did you think of Birmingham? Oh, I mean, I had an amazing time there. It's such a beautiful city. Three years. Yeah. Yeah. Three years. Um, it's a beautiful city. I met some awesome people, but I had a really tough time. Why? It was again that not fitting in, which I'd had throughout school. Mm-hmm. And then it was, yeah, again, magnified at uni. And I guess actually it goes straight. The, I'd, I'd say I've got three friends um, still from university that I would call good friends still. Don't mm-hmm. talk to them enough, but, you know, they're three people I know when I do see them, it's... Um, it's like it was yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd say that two of those people are two other people that also had a, an issue with fitting in. Right, so um, you bonded somewhat over Yeah, that definitely, definitely. I um, had my first serious relationship there and like I didn't feel like I, f- I fit in. I felt like the totally horribly unattractive one compared to all of my friends. Um, I was surrounded by people that had gone to public school who therefore naturally came from much more affluent families than I did, which isn't a problem at all. But when you're kind of feeling like the outsider anyway, yeah, um, that's difficult because you can't, you like, you can't really do all of the things that they could do. Um, and you don't have the same experiences that they've had by going to these big, it's a very fancy public schools, intense situation. Mm. because a school is already quite crazy, especially if I imagine if you've moved down to the area mm-hmm. and then you're thrown into a new school, it's a lot to deal with. But then you're doing that whole thing again at uni mm-hmm. with a whole bunch of new people that you have to live with. Live with, Yeah. And first time living away from home. Yeah, you have to like, there's you, ha- a lot. you get to reinvent yourself really for the first time in your life. Because mm. you don't, you're not really aware enough to do that. I'd say prior to like when you start a new school, I didn't train. I was at the same school from eleven all the way up to eighteen. So, yeah, I guess this was the first time I had a gap year where I just worked um, at Birmingham. You stayed, no, you came no. home for the gap year. Well, the gap year was before I went. Right. Yeah, that's what a gap year is. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. <laughs> if you were close enough, I feel like you just pat me on the head. Go, it's all right. <laughs> Thank you, Wasted. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, university, yeah. It's the first time that I could really kind of consciously did reinvent you, myself. Did you reinvent yourself? I probably did, but I have no idea to what, because I was so nervous. My head was all over the place. I was so anxious. Um, I had no idea who I was. So it's really difficult to reinvent yourself when you don't know what your starting point is. So I was going to say that. Did you did you pretend to be someone? Did you try and be what you thought they wanted yeah. you to be? Oh god, I think I, I think I went through multiple different reinventions of myself. I probably came across like a complete loon because like I say I had no idea who I was. So it's really but you impossible. You are at that age finding yourself. Yeah. Aren't you? Are you but it, it, I always felt like everybody around me, everybody else around me was so more sure of their place than I was. And I could be authentic in terms of my feelings because I always have been. Um just mainly because if I need to cry then I'll cry. I can't stop it. <laughs> <laughs> um and I could be authentic in terms of singing and where my voice came from and what I was singing about right but everything else yeah I was just constantly trying to be what 
everybody else wanted me to be or what I needed to be in order to be accepted by that group of people. Mm-hmm. Um, because I always just saw everybody else as being so much better than me and so much cooler than me and being so much more sorted than me that it was always me striving to be as good as other people rather than saying, this is me <laughs> who wants to be my friend. <laughs> so n- normally within the industry environment of performing, people think that anyway. Mm. They immediately see people around them, I want to be as good as them or I want to be better than them or mm. whatever. You had that in in normal life. Yeah. As well. So yeah. you're, that, what I'm trying to say is it's hard enough in the industry yeah. feeling like that, but to feel like that around people friends is generally quite must have been quite tough as well yeah and I don't know like I don't know why I don't know well I guess there's loads of reasons to why people don't feel that they fit in and but I don't feel like it stemmed from one event or I don't feel that it's because I've gone through it more than other people you know stuff I've gone through like having to move when I was quite young and you know arguments with friends or like being like in a group of friends that was quite an argumentative sometimes unsupportive bunch but we all were you know everybody a lot of people go through that yeah these are challenges yeah. that everyone everyone faces but for me for some reason the impact on me personally was greater yeah and like emotionally so despite all that <laughs> you enjoyed uni <laughs> I had I did have a really good time I mean it was it was a crazy three years and I did learn more about myself and I did experiment and like you know smoked a hell of a lot of weed and, <gasps> did, and worse that's illegal <laughs> OMG you can't say shit that I'm gonna have to cut that out oh no okay <laughs> and you just said shit the bed I'm gonna have to cut oh, that no. out as well. shit so I mean oh fuck I mean <laughs> well I'm marking this one as explicit <laughs> otherwise there'll just be loads of bleeps <laughs> that'd be brilliant okay like that. i might start slipping at the odd or shit into every, right. <laughs> every sentence <laughs> you're making my head spin with the amount of editing i'm gonna have to I do know, that's why i'm doing it <laughs> podcast is over thanks very much (laughs) um so you did uni and that was performing arts yes uh no drama and theater drama and theater i'm sorry drama and theater arts because it covered not just performing it covered um like the writing and the production as well Mm -hmm. so how did you find your voice like you obviously had the confidence with your voice Mm -hmm. did that develop did you at university no really yeah i mean it was drama and theater so the it wasn't musical theater there wasn't any singing involved in the course i didn't have any singing lessons in the three years that i was there wow um how did that make you feel because i know personally knowing you i know how important singing is to you i used to sing at the top of my voice in my room did you yeah cool i, I bet remember that, i bet that in, annoyed everyone in our um in the second year when we'd gone out of halls and into a into a house um we got a noise complaint from the council um and one of the things that was written on that noise complaint was um loud singing <laughs> which is you right that was me <laughs> is that like a claim to fame you're yep. proud of that yeah but no uh, like i went i did some um I auditioned for musicals at university as like one of the societies was the musical theatre group. But again, I never got cast as a lead. 
That is crazy. <laughs> thanks. Thanks, Steve. You'd have cast me, wouldn't you? Yeah, I would have done, yeah. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> that is crazy, though. I think it's the confidence thing, right? Because if you clearly are somebody that is... I was I always used to get told off for going into auditions and being apologetic as soon as I walked in the door. Right. Like, so sorry for taking up your time. So sorry. <laughs> Hi. Thanks. <laughs> thanks so much. Thanks so much. I'm sorry. so sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so if you go in like that, and yeah, you've got a big voice, but I guess that what you do in that audition is hindered by... You're going in there thinking that they already don't like you. Yeah. That what's the point? I'm not going to get this. Mm. I'm not good enough for this. There'll be mm. people that are much better than me. Mm. And I'd hear other people audition and I'd be like, oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. And like looking back, was it that they were better than me? No, it's just that they were really confident and I wasn't. And that's what I really admired. Mm. So yeah, I mean, I guess if you're a director or somebody on the production team um, and you're auditioning a whole load of people and there's somebody who's got a really good voice and they like put something into the song like emotionally that maybe some others don't, but otherwise they don't really have any confidence and they clearly don't know that they're any good do you put everything on the line to give that person the lead role and just hope that they're going to get through the show and hope that they're going to nail it and hope that they're going to be a bit more confident once it gets to showtime or do you go for the person or people who might be as good might not be quite as good but bloody hell they've got a shitload of confidence like bags of it and they know that when it comes to performance night they will pull it off because they're so they're so sure of themselves mm. and so i can completely understand why you're inadvertently giving a lot of advice which i feel really good <laughs> to to other people that, that might be listening which is kind of what i partially wanted to get from this is the wisdom that you've got from failing no no don't say that don't self-deprecate i'm not having that Sorry, i'm gonna bleep that out i'm gonna bleep that word out <laughs> because it's not at all you, you haven't at all. It's good advice for other people. Mm. I don't think that's always the case, though. I think people that that go into auditions that aren't as confident but have a banging voice will still get the part. Mm. But it's it's still a valid opinion of it being an option, something for people to consider when they're auditioning and yeah. doing things. I think that, like, I was I've I've, I've been told a few times that like. When I've done workshops with with people or when I've done a show or a singing contest or whatever it might be, if there's been people in the crowd that have auditioned me before or that are big directors or musical directors or um, production, like, I don't know, like the people that run the these big businesses that do the casting. Like casting, casting agents. Casting directors. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the one. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Took a while to get there, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah. I'll just cut that um, bit out and get make it so that you knew the word straight away. Yeah, cool. Casting directors, if they're in the audience, um, along with the directors and musical directors. Anyway. Um... <laughs> what is your point? Anyway, the feedback about shows or about workshops is really good. And I always like had lots of people that were really, really supportive like big professional big names but then I guess something just didn't always translate into the audition room because the audition room is a totally different experience and it, I think it took me so much longer 
to feel comfortable going into an audition room. And actually, maybe it was only once I decided to quit musical theatre that I became much more confident in audition rooms because I was just much more like, well, I'm doing it for fun now. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And actually, the only time that I know that for something that was a totally professional production, the only one that I know, the audition I absolutely nailed, surprisingly, was the one big contract that I had. Um, I didn't care. I didn't even really want the job. I I had the audition, was like, yeah, whatever, I'll go to the audition, see what happens. Okay, we're jumping around a bit, but I want to, let's talk about that whilst you're on okay. that subject. So talk about that audition. What was it for? So that was for um, Belinda King Creative Productions. Um, it was a cruise ship contract. It's to work on um, the Seabourn, Yachts of Seabourn, as they're called. They were trying to find four production singers. And why did you not really care about it? Because I didn't ever really want to work on a cruise ship. Right. It, was, it wasn't the dream. It wasn't like, this is it. This is what I want. So that's a huge deal that the mindset was, your mindset going into that audition and you got it. Yeah. Yeah. And it was an intense audition process as well. So what, tell, tell me about it. Um, so first of all, it was going in the, the standard beginning of auditions for any kind of contract musical theatre or cruise ship. Going in and singing a song of your choice, you usually get asked to prepare one, one musical theatre, one rock and pop, rock or pop. And that was that. And then the recalls were they gave you a whole load more um, songs to learn. So I think that's given probably about four songs to to learn and go back in and do. And then it was going back in for a whole day of, well, I think it was a whole day or at least a a morning or something of dance harmonization and like just seeing how well you could pick up harmonies and keep swapping you around so you're in different quartets and seeing if you could pick up the different lines and quickly i would be crap at that (laughs) were you good at that uh yeah yeah because i've I've got a good ear for harmonies so yeah that didn't bother me it was choreography so how quick you could pick up choreography and i'm not saying big on dance stuff it was just steps you know steps to routines and mic choreography that was like whole head fun that must have been fun that was like it was a head because it's like stop say it stop swearing (laughs) you said it twice i'm I'm like okay there's a bleep there's a bleep (laughs) i'm really sorry it was difficult come closer to the microphone okay it was difficult because um you taught all the steps to i think we would it was to oh what was it uh move on down the road was it that one how does that go? Oh, what's it from? It's from the weird version of Wizard of Oz that's not Wizard of Oz. The Wiz. The Wiz! <laughs> I have mum brain, okay? okay? I can't remember. This was sure. years ago. Okay, too um, long ago. <laughs> yeah, so it's for that. So it's steps. Yeah, so I taught, you taught all the steps and then they're like, right, let's do, let's do the mic choreography. So you've got to carry on doing all the steps that you've learned. Holding a mic. And then it's holding a mic, but then every now and again, swapping hands. And then with the other hand, it's like might be reaching up or it might be to the side and it might be swapping and then reaching with that hand. And it's like you have to, God, it was, it's like the whole pat your head, rub your tummy thing. Yeah. Yeah. For me, personally, for most people, it's like easy. For me, <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> How many people this? were in the audition then? So I'd say probably at that stage, there were probably about... 20 to 30 at that point they'd had hundreds of auditions um and then it was after that day it was then back in again with a smaller amount of people to then look at chemistry like who made good pairings um and then it was an interview the final stage 
Wow. And mm. what was that like? Did you go in, I don't really, I've never wanted to be on a cruise ship. No. <laughs> did you open with that? Um, yeah, I don't care. Or did you um, go, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry for taking up your time. <laughs> no, I think I, I think I was quite, I was quite happy to just pretend that I wanted it. <laughs> Um, at this point you're like I've put this much effort in I might as well pretend like I like it yeah yeah and then when I got offered it I was like well I remember my agent calling me and being like so and the whole whole all the time I'd been saying to them I just don't I just don't think I want this I just don't I don't really want to do a cruise ship and I'd always said that to them Um, and I'd had a few auditions and I'd just gotten really close in another audition Um, so I'd gotten to finals a couple of times and then um, for like for shows in the West End. And then I was asked to go to an emergency casting for uh, Sister Act. The casting director at that time was David Grinrod. And he was a casting director that knew me and liked me and wanted to cast me in something. It was just waiting for the right thing. But I kind of screwed up part of the audition and I knew I had as soon as I'd done it. Like I sang my song, went fine, had to do some scales. And they said, just do it in as big and operatic over the top voice as you can. And I did the scales fine, but it wasn't big and operatic and over the top, which is a really annoying because I could, could easily have done, have that. done that. I mm. just didn't listen to direction properly. So immediately that's like, orcs. So yeah, I didn't get it. And so, yeah, when I was trying to make up my mind as to whether or not to go for this, I remember my agent being like, well, look, you know, it'd be a really good experience. You haven't been to a theatre school. So actually like what's on your CV is limited. So maybe it'd be good for you to think about doing this so that you do have that on your CV. And by this time I was doing also doing a part-time diploma with the Advanced Performance Studio or Associated Performance Studio, whichever one you want to call it. Um, otherwise, no, I didn't really have anything else on my CV that was like, certainly not professional. I'd won um, the kind of the judge vote on Voice of Tomorrow. So they were like, you know, you will get cast in something, but it would help you. It would help your cause and it would help other casting directors or directors or MDs want to see you if you had a bit more on your CV. So maybe you should yeah, think about doing this. So basically, I took their advice. And you got it. Got it. Accepted it. And yeah. So I, we'll come back to this because... I want to talk about the what it was like doing the, the ship contract, but just the time in between you finishing uni and getting this contract. Mm. What were you doing in that period of time? You finished uni, you came out. Um, did you come back? You came back home. Yeah, I came back home. Temped for a while. Worked. I had took my first job in advertising. Quit after six months because I hated it. So you um, had to do proper job. Clothes. Yeah. Well, I didn't. I just didn't even think about musical theatre. Really. Um. And then I got into doing Amdram a bit and started to get leads. <laughs> I changed job a few times. So I went into recruitment for a couple of years and then I worked for Rough Guides as um, editorial assistant and PA for a couple of years. All the while doing Amdram and stuff. Yeah. Like so just doing Amdram. Yeah. And singing with a band. So singing with a, a wedding band, basically. So how band. did that come about how did you so when I was at university still in my final year my friend Keir who I'd known since I was about well we went to primary school together and then he was he was in my group of friends so one of my best mates um from about the age of 16 really he called me and was like so I'm in this band and uh yeah there's a couple of us that are gonna break away and set up another band and uh we need a singer do you fancy it and I was like okay cool yeah why not (laughs) (laughs) nice and but yeah I guess at that point I was like probably a few months away from finishing university so I just agreed that yeah when I got back from university cool let's start rehearsing let's do it what was that like 
awesome. Did you enjoy that? Yeah, it was really cool. Really cool. Yeah, because it, you know, it was Keir, it was the the guy that led the band, um, Phil, who I hadn't knew of because he went to my school, so I knew of him. He was much older, but um, and then it was Neil, who is still to this day one of my best mates, who was the bass player, and then um, a guy called Chris on drums, who became my boyfriend for almost five years actually. So. Yeah, it had a huge impact on my life. Wow. Yeah. And what was it? You did weddings, you did gigs and everything like that. Yeah, weddings, like company parties. So you were doing that in the meantime Always. of doing your jobs? Yeah. So weekends, that's what... So I'd be working Monday to Friday and then usually Gig. like some Friday nights, Saturday nights, some Sunday nights, I'd be gigging. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So then when did you make the decision to do it professionally or to try and give it a go I just couldn't settle into a job I just couldn't like you know as I said I did recruitment for a couple of years then I did work for rough guides or whatever they're now called for a couple of years but there was never a point where I could really settle into a job and I think my parents were getting worried as well and then I was made redundant from a whole group as well from Dorling Kindersley uh, and actually it's because I'd always just been on a rolling contract I didn't ever take the perm job because I always in the back of my mind knew that I wanted to do musical theatre so I could I never like whenever they tried to put me on a perm contract I was like "Mm." so all the contractors were basically let go of when they needed to make redundancies and cut costs you know contractors are the easiest people to get rid of so we were all gone and it was just one of those signs funnily enough because again I can kind of go through that at the moment and yeah and then I I started doing my musical theatre course which I'd already accepted and gotten onto so I was going to be doing that anyway and then I had to, I had no money. I got a, I got a scholarship to do the diploma. Oh, good. And I'd already gotten a, a bursary from the BBC to train as well. Cause I went through their, I can't remember what it was called now, but BBC used to run this bursary that was to help people with their training in musical theatre. Okay. So I was one of lots of people who, uh, who went for that. So how did you go about getting an agent? Uh, it's from the show that I did that was the it was a contest the voice of tomorrow right it was on for me I think it was like four nights and I at first wasn't picked as one of the soloists that was competing I was just in the chorus but then they basically did this thing where they selected let's say five boys five girls to be soloists there were two extra spots and of all the people that had auditioned even if they'd not been cast in the ensemble and the ensemble were told that if you want to you can go through the next two months of kind of workshops and training to and then we'll re-audition you and two people will get a spot as soloists oh wow um i mean it was money making we had to pay actually to do that i it wasn't a ridiculous amount but still so i decided to do that and i think it was probably one of the first times that i'd ever been like right damn it i will get myself a bloody and i wasn't expected to be the person that got it I and mean, i remember i'm going through all the training i, I wasn't necessarily one of the standout because I again confidence but then the, the the audition when they got everybody to go for it again I nailed it and yeah got the final spot as the female as like the final female soloist spot but yeah so then I did the show where I as part of that so I got to sing it's at the Bloomsbury Theatre and I got to do one solo and one duet and yeah 
And you got your agent from that? Yeah. So the, the, the judging panel, I think there were three or four people on the judging pl- panel. And then otherwise it was audience votes. They all had keypads where they had to vote as well. Oh, cool. So I didn't win the audience vote. I did okay. I did, like, I did well in the audience vote. But actually the people that were singing um, the more comedic songs were... Going to get the audience yeah, vote. Yeah, yeah. So got my friend Keris won and she was brilliant like absolutely deserved it um but what i won was the i guess the judges vote where um i was i won an agent it was the so there were one agency an agency called grantham hazeldean who are really well renowned in musical theater they had somebody on the judging panel each night and so when they were kind of saying who won various parts of the contest there was the judge vote and and audience vote grantham hazeldean picked me as to be the person they wanted to represent amazing was that a huge validation for you huge yeah yeah was that kind of the motivation motivation you needed to be like the confidence you needed to go yeah 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 because I guess I did that and that was the first time I've really felt that I had any validation I guess it's just that I was blind to it before then because I I was getting it it's not that nobody had told me I was good and then suddenly you know you didn't believe it yeah yeah that's it and it was only at that point that you, I started to think, oh, my God, like, am I good enough to attempt to do this professionally? <laughs> and that was the first moment that I guess I really wondered if maybe I was. So then you started doing the auditions. And yeah. Sort of putting yourself while well, they were putting you forward for things. Yeah. And then that leads us to you getting the cruise, right? Yeah. Nothing. No, I've not missed out anything from there. No. So obviously I did that. Did got the BBC bursary thing. That's how I met my singing teacher who... But the BBC bursary and that show were the first times that I'd had real validation, especially I guess the BBC bursary, my singing teacher at the time, who, well, the guy that became my singing teacher was one of the panel. He was the person that phoned me and said that I'm going to be your mentor and you have been selected to get a bursary. It's not a huge bursary because you're not going to a college, you're not going to study musical theatre anywhere. Basically, my plan as to what we had to say, what we'd use the money for. And for me, I'd basically written... I will pay to go for singing lessons. I will pay for acting lessons and I will pay for like to go to dance classes like pineapple and stuff like that. And I'd written out this whole timetable of all the stuff that I wanted to do and when I was going to do it. And it was almost like he, I remember him saying to me, so it's basically that you're going to put yourself through theatre school, but via doing lots of independent classes, not by actually going to a theatre school. <laughs> and I was like, yeah probably because cool. <laughs> so I don't really have the confidence to audition anymore for theatre school so he got me to he was like right so no that's not gonna work we're gonna work on this I'm gonna introduce you to an acting coach but only because we're gonna get you into theatre school so I started working with him Stuart Barr who is awesome um lovely lovely guy and a guy called Nigel Richards who is an awesome actor and was such a good teacher for me so good for me personally as well so yeah I started working with with those guys and yeah put together all my audition pieces for for theatre schools and then I did this Voice of Tomorrow thing and at the time I was also auditioning for theatre schools and singing with Firefly the band and doing Amdram so my life was just taken over by performing for the first time really yeah yeah the the you were getting money through singing in the band right yeah. so that was providing you some income too yeah because i remember though when i lost my job at rough guides i basically I had to pay my way i couldn't expect my pay my parents to pay for me i was like by this point i was like 26 maybe 25 26 so i had to sign on i had to go to the job center and say i've not got a job <laughs> i've lost it need some money Wow. And they were like, so, right, what you need to do is to come in each week. It was completely mortifying and humiliating. So I had to go in each week and prove to them that I was looking for a job. 
and they kept whenever I went in they were like what about this one what about this one obviously that's what they're meant to do they're meant to sit you down and say have you looked at this one and they were all shit you know they were all like you know just crap jobs that I really didn't want and I'd done temping and I'd done like shit jobs that I didn't want sorry for swearing more (laughs) and I remember saying to them I'm auditioning at the moment (laughs) and I was like um you know there was one one particular time when I was really being pushed and they were like right you know come on you you can get one of these jobs you should you need to go for this job and I was like no but I'm, I'm in the auditions for this cruise ship um, my agent thinks that I should take it um, if I get offered it. So then, you know, I, I don't want to start a job and then after like a week say, Soz, I'm going on a cruise ship. So, um, and I remember the person that I was talking to in like job centre, wherever it was, looking at me and being like, right, well, really, you think you're going to go and work on a cruise? Right okay, well, maybe you should just apply for this anyway. And they just looked at me like I was such an idiot. Like, <laughs> listen to this girl. Come and listen She's to gonna this. She's going to sing on a cruise ship, this one. <laughs> That's the best I've heard all week. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> She's going to be a star. <laughs> See all these standards in a couple of years. <laughs> no, I really think you should apply for this job. <laughs> It really was like that. So it was really nice when I did get it. So that I could when go in. I could literally be like, don't need it anymore. I got that job on the cruise ship. So yeah, I won't swear. I was going to. Uh, you can. It's fine. Okay, so f*** you. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Let's cut to the cruise ship now. Okay. Best time of your life? Yes. Why? I mean, it's obvious um, why, but say why. I mean, I got to like... The the um, rehearsal period was really intense, like really intense. And the lady that ran the company, Belinda King, she was known for being a complete hard ass. Absolutely. She didn't say it how it was. She said it about 50 times worse than it was. <laughs> so she would constantly be like, it's not good enough. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. You're not good enough. And it would be like you personally, you are not good enough. What you were doing there was not good enough. God, if brutal. you don't get better... They, like when they come and do a quick... I'm doing my best, yeah. right? <laughs> I feel like you're really aiming this at me. No, but that's how it felt. It really, And it was. It was aimed at you personally. But I tell you what, like she did get the best out of us because you were too scared to not do that. <laughs> yeah, I bet. But yeah, so we pulled together this, like actually what, what were four really great shows and four really great mini shows. We were so slick. Like the harmonies were really difficult harmonies but they were so tight four-part harmonies the choreography and the micography was uh was really tight eventually after a very very difficult and traumatic rehearsal process um <laughs> where the term nick face was um coined by dan who what's know. that um what's nick face show let me, me show you yeah. it's <laughs> <laughs> worried <laughs> worried and confused scared. and scared <laughs> yeah. that's what it is <laughs> it's yeah yeah but we pulled together something really great tell me what it's like on the ships then on the ships it was just so much fun and i met so many amazing people and i traveled the world and i guess when we were doing it it was kind of the golden days of, of seaborn when we were paid a shitload of money um for not really doing much I mean, sorry, a ton of money for not doing <laughs> <Yeah>. much. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> 
our job was to do like a couple of shows a week um, maybe one of the little shows a week do a couple of dinners per cruise which was usually 10 days or two weeks a couple of dinners where you, we would host dinner tables so wow. i was i'd be partnered with one of the guys and we'd host the dinner table it was to go to cocktail hour to drink cocktails with the guests and chat to them we were meant to be the the stars on the ship that the guests wanted to spend time with because we were the stars so yeah our job was to basically like flaunt around the ship looking like we were constantly pristine and made up and like you know I had to wear makeup had to, I couldn't walk around with wet hair couldn't wear denim had to wear makeup it was all very like so had to be a celebrity for someone that didn't really feel validated or confident in their ability mm-hmm. this is a u-turn for you right it was but then you're directly compared to the people that you're working with I mean I guess it wasn't so much the guys because you can't really compare yourself to a couple of guys because what you're being asked to do is totally different in performance but the I'd definitely say the girl that I was working with she became a really really good friend like we became completely inseparable we called each other wifey we were like best friends we shared a cabin like the guys didn't the guys got their own we shared a really small cabin <laughs> teeny tiny really? it's probably like it's probably seven foot by four foot that had bunk beds um a dressing oh. table and a like tiny walk-in shower room and toilet wow like it's tiny but i did find it really difficult because kate who i sang with was i guess um, she was so different to me she was so confident she was so beautiful we were really different in terms of our style and our voices but she i i she'd be somebody that i'd look at and think she's got it all like she's confident she's beautiful she's you know the guys love her like all all guys love her <laughs> <laughs> And she was everything that I had never been able to be in terms of Did that rub confidence. off on you, though? Did you learn a lot from her? Um, I think that I think that Kate struggled as well, because I think that she actually re- wasn't really that person. It's just that she was better at putting it on than gotcha. I was. But I think that I was still kind of so wrapped up in my own mess of an- anxiety and feeling inadequate. crap about me. Inadequate, yeah um and not fitting in and that kind of thing i was still so wrapped up in that that i couldn't really see how she could possibly ever feel bad about herself yeah but i was often in the rehearsal process i was often overlooked it was often that she would get given like if there was a kind of piece of script that they needed somebody to do that hadn't been already set then she would often get asked to do it there was one major song for girls throughout the four, sh- four show no there were two but one of them was sorry seems to be the hardest word that was in one of the shows and then the other girl solo was the wizard and i i really wanted to sing the wizard and i but so did she so we were meant to be auditioning to see who got to sing that song yeah and Kate was struggling a bit vocally throughout some of the rehearsals. So they kept putting off the audition to try and get to the point where she felt better. But it got to the point where they're like, right, we either need to do the auditions now. We just need to make a call where we just decide and not, don't bother doing an audition. And we were like, OK. And I remember the, Belinda being like, right. So if I had to make a call right now without auditioning, I'd go with Kate. So that makes you feel really terrible about yourself. M- made me feel really terrible. And I just had this sudden like anger and stubbornness that built up and I guess it's because I'd never stuck up for myself before in any of those kinds of situations and I just remember going no I want to audition 
And I just was like, no, I'm not having it. I, I know that I can nail this song. I know that I can do it. Uh, that Like, this is my song. So I, yeah, we did an audition and um, and I got it. They decided to give it to me. Um, and I think that Kate took that pretty hard. I think she saw it as though I had been, I'd kind of, I don't know. It's been muscle, quite aggressive about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, but I was like, no, I just, all I did was stick up for myself for the first time in my life. Yeah. Um, that's That's what I did. And it wasn't personal to her at all. It was more to those people that were like, we, we're quite happy to just disregard you without even hearing you because, yeah, she's clearly going to be much better than you. So you're happy with that. And for the first time in my life, I said, no, I'm not happy with that. Wow. But yeah, so I, that's, that's what happens. And I got to sing that song. And, and to be fair, like, actually, I think that that song probably suited me in a way that maybe it wouldn't have so much Kate. And she absolutely nailed sorry seems to be the hardest word like it really suited her it was yeah. brilliant so, you, so yeah for me that that worked out well but that was i guess the first time that i was like no listen to me so it's interesting <laughs> all these key phases of your life how much you learn about yourself mm. it was the first time i've been a really stubborn tourist when it was about me i, yeah. I mean i'm a stubborn tourist about things anyway but that was the first time i had in terms you were of consciously me. yeah making these choices yeah exactly yeah so the cruise ship was obviously amazing. You saw some beautiful places. Yeah, met some amazing people, saw some beautiful What was the places. nicest place you went to? Oh, um... That you could revisit. <clears throat> oh, there's so many. I mean, like the Norwegian fjords are beautiful. Tallinn in Estonia is, is beautiful. I think, I mean, but they're doing like French Polynesia was unreal like Morea and um, Tahiti and uh, Bora Bora. Um, of course. So how was, how long was the, the contract for? New Zealand for? and Australia, obviously amazing. Yeah. I, it was meant to be eight months and then we were asked if we wanted to extend for a year. Well, to a year, so not for another year. But, yeah. And we all decided to do it. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So you stayed with the same people for another yeah, four months. Yeah, after some Toing and froing. It was yeah. basically, I was the one that it was all, they, they weren't sure was going to say yes. And basically they'd said that they were likely to just replace all of us if one of us said no. Oh. Um, so there was quite a lot of pressure. But then um, I also, so one of the guys that um, was on the ship who was the captain of the, the like the singing captain, um, he's the oldest and he was trying to convince me to go and get off the ship because basically his, the, the girl that he'd gotten with had been in the cast before us. Oh. So he was trying to set up her coming back on and me going. <laughs> How rude. Yeah. Did you know that at the time? Yeah. So then was your stubborn Taurus come out? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, like I, was, I, was, I was really close to going until he pulled me aside and was like, oh, I think you should like look at going. I think it would be really great for you to look at like TIE. I think maybe you should look at some TIE. Did he actually say that? Yeah, actually did. Actually did. And I was, and I just remember sitting there going, I think I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay, ads. Soz. <laughs> she just did a bitch face then at me. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. So when you come back, mm -hmm. what was your head at when you came back? I just wanted to get into musical theatre. I felt like, do you know what? I've had, I've had a great experience. I know so much more about what I can do. I've had a really intense um, rehearsal process, but that was so hard, but I came out the other side and we nailed it like all of our 
so you get ratings on cruise ships so and one of them would be the entertainment and our ratings were always awesome so you felt really good i I felt confident i felt like i'd done something that was cool and i'd had an amazing time and i came back you know skinny god knows how because all you do is eat and drink on the ship (laughs) every day um so i came back skinny and amazingly tanned so you know i felt confident and (laughs) vitamin d will do that to you yeah um so what happened after that i couldn't even get an audition for the first two months that i got back so my agent could not get me an audition and i felt like i felt like they'd failed me i felt like they had given me bad advice because i was getting auditions left right and center like to the point where I was having to fly back from holiday to go to an audition because like they were like, you need to go to this. They really want to see you. And like, wow, to so, suddenly, so from that to yeah. going on a ship and being out of the country for a year and they, and the, the industry had forgotten about me. And I felt, I was like, you told me to do this. And now you're telling me what you put me up for, but I'm not getting an audition. And you like some of the biggest agents in London are not able to get me an audition for these shows like what yeah it must have been really bad yeah it was gutting really gutting then uh, so i changed agent basically one of my friends who um has done amazingly well for himself now like he's been in shows he's one he's a kids presenter on milkshake now he's which he always wanted to do from the first time i met him but i don't really talk to him anymore which is a shame, but he's a lovely, lovely guy, really talented. And he introduced me to his agent because um, I basically started writing around to other agents saying, right, it's not yeah. happening, need to get away. And I got offers from a couple of them, but I just didn't feel quite right about those ones. And then I met his agent, a, um, a lady called Bobby Chat, who worked for Global Artists. Yeah, and she like he basically played her a couple of recordings. And then I went and met her met her for a cup of tea and she was so lovely and so different to the agent that I had because the agent that I had Grantham Hazeldean they were so well renowned but they were like up their own asses. I don't know if I should say that um but I was petrified to call them like I couldn't tell them how I was feeling about anything I couldn't ever really have a good chat with them because I was so intimidated by them yeah and that's how they that's you know just how they were they were they were intimidating they were like hi darling so you know we've got this audition for you here's where it is we're gonna send you a note now okay great all right bye and then whenever I didn't get the job I'd be like is there any feedback and they'd just be like no it's really difficult to get any kind of feedback ever so no wow and they just you know they weren't nurturing (laughs) I really needed them to nurture me because I had offers from two theatre schools before I accepted to go on their books. And I was choosing between do I go to theatre school and do a master's in musical theatre or do I go with this agent who's selected me out of everybody and say they want to represent me. And so I had a meeting with them. I was like, what do I do? Do I go with you or do you recommend that I do training? And I could have gone to LSMT and I could have gone to Guildford and they recommended that I don't bother and that I go with them. Wow. So I kind of felt like you made money out of me because the pay on a ship is really good. You made some money out of me for a year and now you just can't be asked. Right. I'm not, I'm like, you know, small fish in a big pond. I mean, they also represent Jason Robert Brown. So yeah, like, okay. you know, they, they had, they, were, they had much bigger fish to fry than me. Okay. Okay. <laughs> So um, you moved to this other agent. Yeah, Bobby, who was totally nurturing, totally got where I was coming from, you know, was really honest with me about how tough it was and kind of said some of the stuff that we needed to do and work on. 
but she was so lovely and just so like, well, look, you can call me for a chat whenever you want. I'm happy to give you advice whenever you want, but let's just start getting you out there for some auditions. And immediately I was getting auditions again. Right. So right choice. Yeah, totally the right choice. And I got a couple of like little bits, but I was always the person that got to the finals and never got the job. Right. Every time I got to the finals of so many shows or like the stage before finals. One of my best friends, Adam, um, who you've met, who's doing Rock of Ages at the moment. It's just finishing it at the moment, actually. But he's just got a role in. I can't remember if I told you. We will rock you. He's just no. got it. We will rock you. Oh, amazing. Um, and we had a running joke that we were seen for We Will Rock You so many times. We were like, are we just here for entertainment? Are you just <laughs> trying to, do you need to fill up the numbers? Because you saw us last year and the cast before that and the cast before that and the cast before that and you've never given us the job so surely (laughs) so then now he's he's just got cast in it like you know (laughs) i'm talking like 10 years ago this was going on so yeah 10 years ago we were seen over and over and over and over and over again there's there's time for you Um, (laughs) probably not um him yes me no yeah so i was always like for yeah wicked we will rock you miss saigon lame his oliver when that was on so how um, did you feel about that getting so close like was it like how did that feel because yes great you're getting auditions you're getting scenes that must have been a good thing at first it was fine because it was still like you know it, it was still cool to get the auditions in the first place yeah. and i think one thing that i realized looking back is that i have lots of talented friends that i've met via doing amdram who trained at these theater schools that didn't even give me a place didn't give me a look in and they trained there um and they'd never got these auditions they didn't get they didn't even get agents for the most part Mm. and it's not because they weren't good Mm. it's just luck so much of it is is luck yeah it's a really like it's diluted massively because Mm. like there's there's such there's so many people out there that are so good that the competition is huge. The war for jobs is massive. Um, it's not glamorous whatsoever. For the most part, working in performance is hard and demoralizing and, you know, touring around, sharing seven by four foot cabins with somebody. And, you know, it's like... We're really selling it, anyone that's... Uh... <laughs> no, but, I mean, it's important to know, though, that it's not glamorous absolutely it's not it's tough it's really hard work got to live in the real world because there are only people who only discover it from themselves and that's why you need the discipline that is why you need to start instilling that in people at a young age if they show promise if they're people that really like have shown interest in performing and they've actually got something they need to have it instilled in them from a young age that they need discipline because you have to be the best you can possibly be and you have to believe in yourself um and you have to take yourself out of your comfort zone and do the lessons in the things that you know you're not very good at like in my case dancing (laughs) you need to learn it all and you need to get on top of it and if you aren't resilient and if you don't know how to stick up for yourself and fight back you will not make it Mm. and I didn't have any of that when I was you know young I started to develop it later but I feel like for me personally it was too late by that point but that's really good advice for people we've we've spoken about this before in the past of the mindset of being that social networky type person mm. that goes to pineapple and oh, does it and that is Worst so not nightmare us. yeah it's so not us 
but yeah. you you do see that so often that that people that do that that put themselves forward yeah um you know you walk into like i'd walk into auditions and there'd be so many people that were like hi babes hi like people talking to each other and i'd be like don't know any of them <laughs> and they'd all be like what, what school did you go to where did you train and i'd be like uh, nowhere. nowhere. Went to uni. <laughs> <laughs> I used to love those conversations though when they used to say, Where did you train? I went, didn't, sorry. Oh, you did? Oh. Expensive, was it? <laughs> <laughs> Such a bitch. You have to pull some kind of positive. Got it. Out. Yeah, I wasn't going to get it. So just... <laughs> didn't get in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I tried. Just didn't, didn't get it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so what? What was the kind of trigger point for you to think, oh, I'm just going to settle down with a, a normal job? I just stopped wanting it. I'd go to auditions and I just wouldn't, it wasn't that I wouldn't care like I didn't with the cruise ship because I still really wanted the the career. But I just, I stopped even wanting that. I met Audric. Um, we moved in together. It got serious. My sister-in-law had, and my brother had my first niece. And I really wanted kids and I really wanted to buy a house. And if I want, if I was going to do either of those things, I wasn't at a point in my career in musical theatre where I could have had a break, done that and gone back in again because I wasn't getting anywhere at that point. I knew that if I'd kept on going, I would have gotten somewhere eventually. Yeah. But by that point, how old would I have been? Would I have ever been able to buy a house or would I have ever been able to have kids? And that became the dream more than musical theatre did. And I remember when I told when I told Bobby, my agent, that I was thinking that I might quit. I remember her saying to me, like, look, I will support you in it, whatever you want to do. If you want to carry on, we'll carry on. If you want to have a break for a while and me just kind of keep your, your CV in the bottom drawer in case something comes up that I think, yes, this is for you, then fine. But if you want to just if you wanted to call it quits, then I get it because dreams change. Mm. And that's really true. Like, and my dream just changed. And even now, like I love musical theatre. I love the product of musical theatre. I hated the industry. I didn't fit in. I didn't, I wasn't confident enough. I didn't believe in myself enough. And I think I'd, you know, you've heard from what I've said. There's been so many things that I've been unintentionally conditioned throughout childhood to not believe in myself so I just wasn't ever going to change from that. That wasn't, I wasn't going to go through this big life changing. Now suddenly I'm full of confidence and I believe and I'd already missed the boat. Hmm. So yeah, I just said like, I think it's, I think I'm just done. I think I just need to stop because I don't, I go into these auditions and I'm surrounded by these people that by that time felt like kids because they were recently graduated, really excited. And I'd be sat in the waiting rooms and they'd be like, oh, yeah, I was so excited. What are you going to sing? What are you singing? What are you singing? Oh my God, where did you train? Oh my God, amazing. And I'd just be sat there going, no. <sighs> what am I singing? Oh, I don't know. I've, got, I've brought a few songs. I'm just going to let them choose. <laughs> well, the, yeah, the passion died for it. Yeah. And if that's gone and it's that tough an industry, then there is no point. But there was also more important things on your mind. Yeah. yeah. And that's important that that was a, 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 a pull rather than a push. Yeah. And also, you know, I I started working with Neil, who I mentioned before, who was in my band. He'd set up, 
his own recruitment company and it's something that I'd worked in before and I remember getting drunk with him like drinking a bottle or two of wine with him not long after I'd been off the ship and I was saying how like you know I'd been stupid and spent most of the money that I earned on the ship um <laughs> um and then spent like three and a half grand on excess baggage to get home yeah that's crazy. um I don't know if it's three and a half I might be lying but it was a lot of money um and I remember just like him kind of drunkenly being like, well, I've just started my own company. I've got too much work. Do you want to come work for me? And I was like, all right. Yeah. I mean, I know recruitment, but I don't know. don't know digital. So yeah. All right. If you teach me that, fine. And so I worked for him kind of totally flexibly for, I worked with him for about, for a couple of years in the end. And eventually like, yeah, I enjoy that. I really enjoy helping people. And maybe that comes, I really enjoy nurturing talent. And especially like the most rewarding side of that is working with like grassroots talent, people that are straight out of education, who it's the first job, they don't know what the hell they're doing. Is it because you maybe felt a lack of nurture? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, them. I think it's, it is that how nice to do that for other people when you didn't necessarily get that through no fault of anybody, really. No. It's just circumstantial. But yeah how like how nice to try and help people understand or find out what their path is or something that they can just enjoy for a while even if it is just for a while and just empower them to make something of their lives and to feel good about it and that became more exciting than the prospect of endless auditions and constantly living hand to mouth and (laughs) I think that's a lovely full circle though that you came around to doing what you do now Mm. and helping people and nurturing people and that whole journey that you've been on has led you to to this point now and gives you so much wisdom that you can give to others the value of that you can see that now in who you are Mm. so I think that's inspiring in a way yeah I mean it's basically like don't don't do what I did (laughs) (laughs) you're one of those people just don't do what I did, mate. Yeah, basically. I had, you know, I always, I think my fallback for um, if I was feeling crap about myself or if I was feeling really unconfident or if I'd had a bad time, it was always a kind of going on self-destruct mode. And for me, that kind of meant partying. And so, you know, like, to not understand the discipline that I needed to succeed in the area that I wanted to succeed in and to have that destructive, self-destructive side of my personality again those two things combined were not good for the Mm. industry that I wanted to go into so I think yeah like a huge part of my advice would always be if that is really what you want to do you do need to kind of not do what I did i.e don't try and find yourself by like like personally by going out and getting hugely drunk or you know experimenting with drugs or don't do that stuff be disciplined be like have a focus if that's what you really want to do with your life then you have to throw it 110% into it as cheesy as that sounds because if you don't there are thousands of other people out there that will and you won't you won't succeed even if you're the most talented person in the world for the most part you won't succeed unless you're like you know Amy Winehouse saw, but then that didn't exactly end well. Anyway, um, cool. <laughs> I think that that, that piece I mean, of advice and wisdom. Yeah, don't be Amy Winehouse <laughs> or me. Um, was, yeah, was lovely. I think that we've come full circle. So I say we end this show here. <laughs>
before you say anything else. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know right? what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> See, now I'm feeling anxious. That's all about it. No, honestly, I think I think that was really good bit of advice, and that's actually how I was going to end it anyway. I was going to ask you for your advice, but you're psychic, so you just knew I am what psychic, I was going to ask and that's, next. You know, obviously, my where I'm going now. Your gift now, yeah, yeah is that you're psychic. psychic. And we'll go into we'll go into that if you want to come back and do another episode. Then okay. we can talk about what you're doing next. Shit, I talk a lot, don't I? It's been about four hours. <laughs> <laughs> I was so like when people oh listen God, to the edit, it would be like half an hour. <laughs> what am I going to say, Steve? I don't know if I've got much to you say. You had no blah, trouble. Blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, oh, thank dear. you for all of that because I think that people will find that inspiring, and there's a lot of really good advice and wisdom in that, and that is what I wanted this episode to be about. So, <laughs> thank you, thank you, and thanks everyone for listening. Thanks. <laughs> So there it is. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I'm really grateful to Nicola for sharing her story and her experiences and her journey. And this is just the the beginning of the next phase of her life. Um, hopefully we can sit down again in future and talk about the things that she's working on now. Um, if you did find this episode interesting, inspiring, uh, thought provoking, then I would love to hear from you. Um, just get in touch. Um, I'll put links in the description uh my instagram um and stay tuned for more episodes coming soon